Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. We're reacting to the recent running back updates on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Deal Dash and the FFPC. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Mr. Matt Friedman. Of course, Bet Online remains one of our sponsors. Uh, but Matt, let's just get right into things off the bat. Damian Williams. Opting out of the 2020 season, what are your thoughts on that specifically as it relates to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? So Edwards-Hilaire jumps up massively in our projections. Um, I mean, that's a easy uh, understatement, but the real question is how aggressive do you want to be with him? Um, on Twitter a few days ago, I jokingly said, although I wasn't, I mean, I was joking, but I said uh, I might as well just move him to number one now in my rankings because that's where true contrarians are going to be uh, ranking him and taking him within a week. And uh, in a pros versus Joe's draft, someone actually did take him number one. Uh, more people are aggressively moving him into the top three. And I actually have him projected as my number three 
overall running back. I do want to make clear that uh, I think there's a pretty strong difference between projections and rankings. So projections would be what I'm thinking of as the median outcome and rankings would be um, where I emphasize, I think, one part of the range of outcomes. So for someone I have ranked highly, I would want to emphasize what I think of as a, uh, a higher floor in the certainty of someone's projection. Uh, if someone is going, let's say, in like round starting round six or one of the later rounds, I would probably be looking to emphasize in the ranking a little bit more that person's upside. Um, so with Edwards Alaire, because of the uncertainty that he has, uh, even though his median projection has him at number three, I would rank him behind, obviously behind Christian McCaffrey, behind Saquon, behind Zeke. I would also have him behind Alvin Kamara. Uh, if you wanted to have him as your number five overall player, I think there's more of a, a case for that. But uh, I think you could still have Michael Thomas ahead of him. Um, if you wanted to have him before Dalvin Cook, I think you can make an argument for that. Um, so, but certainly, kind of wherever he is within your your tier, he's I think clearly now a first rounder. I'm not going to disagree with that at all. Um, so when I made the updates to my projections, I ended up with him coming in at RB6, um, which is, if I were going to do the rankings, I think right around where I would have him coming in anyway. Um, I'm curious, though, as to in your set of projections, what was it that pushed him up so high? Like, did you end up assigning him a rushing share of like 70% or did you tweak anything on the efficiency side, given the fact that there might be increased opportunity? Uh, what was it? Yeah, nothing really on the efficiency, um, but, you know, increased his rushing share. Uh, I don't know if I really even touched his receiving share. Maybe I did a little bit, but I was already expecting him to get uh, a pretty good share of receiving work. Yeah. Um, but I bumped him up to a 58% market share on rushing, 15% uh, market share on receiving uh, on a per game basis. Uh, the big thing is that I'm expecting that offense to be pretty prolific uh, and to score a pretty good number of touchdowns. So uh, I think he's going to be pretty good at turning his opportunities into touchdowns. That's that's the big thing. Um, so yep. if you even if you assume that uh, originally Andy Reid had wanted to have more of a timeshare, and uh, that's certainly the camp that I was in, you can kind of look back at what happened with Kareem Hunt in 2017. You know, drafted in the third round originally there was probably going to be a timeshare between Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware. Spencer Ware suffered an injury and Kareem Hunt ran away with the, the workload. Uh, had almost 1,800 yards from scrimmage and 11 touchdowns. And that was in an offense quarterbacked by Alex Smith. Um, I think we could see something pretty similar with Edwards Alaire, except I think he has the upside for even more touchdowns because this offense should be better. Yeah, so I, I guess the natural question of where we go from there, having established that this is really something that pushes Edward Hilaire up into the first round, and there's really not a significant question about that. If you start to look at the rest of the team, naturally we're going to be looking at the running backs. Who benefits the most in terms of stepping into the second running back role on that team? Is it Darrell Williams? Is it DeAndre Washington, who, as it's been shared many times on Twitter, played at Texas Tech with Mahomes? Is it another one of the players on the team? What do you think? 
I think it's DeAndre Washington um, because I think he he does have a fairly complete skill set, even if it's not. Um, even if he's not like the master that Edwards Alaire is, um, he still has actually a similar type of skill set. Like Washington was uh, an Edwards Alaire type of player in college, just in terms of the way that he was used. And I think he could actually be pretty good within that offense. So mm-hmm. um, I don't think there's going to be the massive need to uh, to overuse Edwards Lair, but uh, I don't know. I, I I still think Edwards Lair ends up getting the super majority of the work, but Washington is the guy who is now the the handcuff, the number two. Got it. So for people out there that were hoping that Darwin Thompson might be able to make something this season, um, it doesn't look like that's really st- much of a possibility, despite what may have happened. Yeah, at least for me, I'm I'm not on it. Got it. Yeah, I mean. I I feel like of the backs that we've mentioned, he has the least likely path to significant playing time. Um, any other thoughts, Matt, just on how you might change your approach to playing fantasy this season, given what we're seeing with the opt outs and, you know, the COVID lists? Um, how are you trying to account for that? I know for some people it. it is hard to really make sense of because we're seeing a lot of players get on these lists and we don't really know why they're getting on them to begin with. So it's hard to try to deduce what you should tease out of those additions. Yeah. So we are certainly seeing a lot of players opt out. And then you said, uh, seeing players, uh, well, two things, one land on the, the COVID list. And as you say, we don't really know exactly what that means yet. Either they have COVID or they have been exposed to someone who has COVID. So, there are just you know concerns there. Uh, the second thing is that we've seen players in other sports, specifically baseball, um, which I think is most applicable to football. We've seen mm-hmm. a lot of players there get COVID. Um, so I think there are a few ways to approach this. One, I would say, uh, whatever you think of zero RB, it seems to be much more relevant this year, just because I think there will be more running backs, just more players in general who end up uh, missing games. And, you know, if a wide receiver misses a game, that doesn't mean that the guy who ends up playing in his role gets 80% of the production. But with a running back, it kind of does. So I think zero RB is much more of a viable strategy this year. Um, I also think that stacking is something to consider a little bit more. Um, Not only because it, it obviously, like what we've talked about before, it maximizes your exposure to, uh, to particular offenses, but I think it also minimizes in some weird way. It minimizes your exposure to, uh, to COVID spread where like if you stack and let's say you have, you know, like I'm trying to think of what is a realistic number of teams. So let's say on your average roster for fantasy, you might have players from, I don't know, like 10 different NFL teams, maybe even 12 different NFL teams. But if you're really meticulous about stacking, you could maybe narrow that down to like six, uh, which means that at that point, you do not have exposure to a super majority of NFL teams, which I think in the COVID era is something you really want to strive for. It's certainly going to make you know every season we say it was a crazy season but this year i think there's not going to be a question about it it really will be that super crazy season um to your point about zero running back i think that makes a lot of sense 
Uh, and hopefully, as we start to get closer to September, we'll have more of an idea of what all of this means. If I'm in any leagues with people, I'm really hoping that this year we do not try to have a draft early. Uh, I'm definitely hoping that we wait till as close to the season is going to start as possible. Um, we will continue along here, but I want to take a quick moment for today's FFPC stat attack. And the number I'm going to throw it here for you is one. Just one season, that's it. Devontae Adams has gone for more than 1,000 yards just a single time. We're going to get Matt's thoughts on that in a moment after I remind you that the FFPC is home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, we have the tools at Rotoviz that you need to dominate in the FFPC. Again, Devonte Adams with the stat tack this week, just a single season over a thousand yards. I seem to have observed you in some conversation or getting the sense that you at some point mentioned this, Matt, uh, via Twitter. Can you break down for us what this whole discussion was about and why it doesn't matter that Devonte Adams has only gone over a thousand yards just one time? Yeah. So, uh, I've heard a few times people say that Devonte Adams has gone over a thousand yards or has hit a thousand yards just once, uh, and use that as kind of, uh, a sign that, um, he's not as trustworthy as he might seem. Um, and I think it's a really weird arbitrary mark and like we all use it. Like we all say, Oh, like a thousand yards receiving, but for Adams, I feel like it requires a little more analysis. So over the past four years, he's averaged over a thousand yards over that time and had an average of 10 touchdowns uh, in each season. He actually leads the league in receiving touchdowns with 40 over the past four years. Um, so, you know, if you take the larger sample uh, and extrapolate, you have a guy who's gone over a thousand yards. But, you know, more to the point, in 2016, uh, and then 2019, he had 997 yards in both seasons. Um, so it's not as if like, oh, he doesn't have the ability to have a thousand yards. Like he's basically had a thousand yards in three of the past four years. It's just he hasn't technically done it. Um, and it seems a little bit weird to focus on that when we know what he can do. Like in the playoffs, he had 160 yards and then 138 yards. Uh, you know, just in this past, uh, this past run of the playoffs and last year, if you include the playoffs, he was number two behind only Michael Thomas with 2.61 yards per route. Um, I mean, the guy's, he's a fantastic player, uh, you know, regardless of kind of how it is that you rank Michael Thomas and then the guys behind him, I think Devonte is clearly in the top five. And I'd say like probably more real realistically in the top three. Um, so anyone who's looking at the the raw numbers and saying, oh, he has only one year with a thousand yards, like you're just looking at stuff incorrectly. Yeah, I completely agree. And I wanted to bring this up because I think it highlights a trap that we see sometimes people fall into when analyzing stuff for fantasy. Because at the end of the day in fantasy, all we really care about is 
what a player is going to score for your fantasy team in terms of fantasy points. It doesn't really matter how he gets there. So if you're looking at two running backs and somebody says to you, well, you know, player A only gets 3.5 yards of carry, player B gets 4.5 yards of carry, that probably doesn't matter because who knows, maybe player A is getting 100 more carries or maybe they're getting receiving work or maybe they're getting so many more touchdowns. It's just like the argument that I really don't like is when people talk about certain receivers not being able to do anything after the catch. And it's like, well, you know, if they're catching the ball 20 yards downfield every time, they don't need the yards after the catch to balance out what the other player you might be throwing into the equation can do. It really comes down to what they're scoring for fantasy points. Um, so, yeah, that does seem to me like a very odd way of trying to come after Adams uh, and, you know, like use the lack of that stat as a major negative for him. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick second here because I want to tell you about a really cool product that, like I said, if you're pushing off your draft time, trying to get your league as much information as possible, maybe you're starting to lose some of that enthusiasm from people in your league. But I think this is going to bring them back. A really cool way to add a whole new level of excitement to your draft is to check out FanDraft and use their product. FanDraft makes your draft feel like the actual NFL draft. It is the ultimate online fantasy football draft board. It has features such as a streaming ticker, a live draft clock, custom logos, team walk-up songs, which is pretty sweet, multiple draft board displays, and more. It can be used offline for in-person drafts. You can hook it up to a large screen TV, a projector. You can really get that atmosphere that you want. Can also be used fully online, and any number of league owners can join the draft remotely. You can perform traditional and auction style drafts. That is going to be really cool for those auctions. FanDraft also supports IDPs, rookie only drafts, keepers, and just about any customization to meet your league requirements. You can sign up for a free trial account at fandraft.com. When you're ready to go pro, which I think that you will, you'll want to use the promo code we have for you, RotoViz15, to save 15% off your purchase. Again, that's fandraft.com. Terrific way to get that enthusiasm back for your fantasy league this year. Use the promo code RotoViz15 to save 15% off. Matt, I understand that you want to derail this show. Yes. So I have a question. Yep. And I, I've posed this on Twitter. I want to get your thoughts. I'm a little bit surprised by uh, the early voting I've seen on this question. Yep. Which would you rather have in a non-PPR dynasty league with six points for passing touchdowns? Would you rather have Lamar Jackson? By the way, I should say this is non-superflex. Would you yep. rather have Lamar Jackson or the 2020 Rookie 101? Mm. <laughs> um, I think I want to have the Rookie 101. That is the way that I would tend to lean on this. And yep. I would imagine um, that most sharp people would go that way. Yep. Um, and based on the responses, some of the sharper people I know uh, are going that way. But um, the people who have voted on this, uh, by 60%, they favor Lamar Jackson. About 40%, they want the rookie 101. I, so, I think that's wrong. That kind of surprises yep. me. I, I do too. I think what that speaks to is just some of the way that, you know, like human psychology works, the way that people think about things. It's much harder for people to consider things that are out in the future than what they have now. And, you know, that definitely falls under the umbrella of recency bias. But I also think 
it falls into another fallacy that people have when they're thinking about things, which is continuing along the present out into the future. Now, I understand that Lamar Jackson has been absolutely superb. It's been historic, you know, really what he's managed to do. But if you're valuing a player at the quarterback position that highly, you need to assume that they're keeping that historic pace for, I'm going to say, you know, a three-year window here at a minimum, um, which to me just seems like a gamble I don't want to make because if he takes, you know, a 5 10% 10 step backward in terms of his fantasy output, it's kind of bringing him down to the level for a quarterback where he's not really that differentiated, which is why I would rather have that 101 pick where you can get that player that could really be transcendent, like, you know, maybe the player that's going to be the next Christian McCaffrey. Not that Jackson hasn't been that transcendent, but a lot of it goes back to just how you value that quarterback position. So for me, when I start to digest that, uh, it makes it very hard for me to want to go with the quarterback, regardless of how stellar he was last year. Yeah, I would imagine if at any point people would have a lot of enthusiasm about the 2020 rookie 101, it would be now because I'd say that's clearly yep. Clyde Edwards Alaire. And now he just got a massive boost to his value in redraft leagues. Yeah, so that one is really, really, really odd to me. Um, I, th I think the big thing is that. People look at Lamar Jackson, and part of it is you're know, probably right. There's the, the possibility for recency bias here, but I think part of it is they look at Lamar Jackson, and even though they know the quarterback position isn't one of scarcity, you think I could have Lamar Jackson for 10 years. Like, yeah. You know, and then a, a rookie running back, maybe you get five good years out of him. Yeah. But you have Lamar Jackson for 10, and he'll probably be really good for five of those, and right. maybe more. Yeah, I completely see. I see that perspective, too. I think the other thing that might be going on here is people have the notion, which has been true last year, that in a way you're not only drafting a quarterback, but you're kind of drafting a running back as well. Except, though, that I would say I don't know if that's the greatest way to look at it, because we know that quarterback is the highest scoring position. So even though you're getting that running back boost from Jackson, it still doesn't really matter. What matters is, is his separation between the other quarterbacks, which I'm just not sure you can really project out on that long of a timeline. Um, I know we've talked about this some, but what do you feel about Jackson's five-year outlook? Do you actually think that he keeps up at a pace like he had last season four or five years? No, but uh, I still think he's probably a, a top five quarterback for the next yep. five years. You know, I mean, think of of Cam Newton. Uh, I mean, I would say that Lamar has more upside than Cam Newton, both in terms yep. of his his rushing floor and what that does for his overall upside on a, a week to week basis. But then also his ability as a passer. Uh, I mean, Newton obviously had a strong arm, but um, I feel like Jackson could probably develop into a better passer than Cam ever was. And so if Newton had five top five fantasy finishes, I feel like Jackson has a, a pretty good chance of eclipsing that. So, you know, maybe he doesn't stay as the number one, but on a year to year basis, he has a really good chance of finishing in the top five. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, I mean, this is somewhat anecdotal because I, I don't know how I would really or I haven't actually looked into the numbers to say that I really measured this, but it definitely does feel like Jackson significantly improved um throughout 
last season than also last season compared to, you know, what we were able to see of him in 2018, which, you know, has to be encouraging. Um, so when, you know, you're, you're talking about him in comparison to a player like him, you know, if Jackson continues to develop too, um, that would speak to what's going to be possible uh, for him. But yeah, still, I can't get really on board with that. What was the percentage in the voting? What was the split? Yeah, the split was 60% uh, for, okay, so, yeah. for Lamar. Yeah. Yeah, you had said that. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, anywhere else that you wanted to go with that? No, actually, one, one wrinkle to this. What if it yep. is a, a head-to-head best ball league? Does that change anything? I don't know if it does change hmm. anything. I can you- see how one might want to say it changes things, but I feel like you're baking in a lot of assumptions there. Um, like I'd actually have to look and see how much of a difference that really makes for you because you'd have to look at if you have Lamar Jackson going for you, what percentage of weeks does he significantly outscore the other quarterback that you might put in when you're accounting for the ebb and flow of things? Right. Um, and I'd be inclined to say, because I've done research at this before, but this was back maybe four years ago now, which would point to the fact that that is an idea that might seem good, but it's kind of flawed when you actually play it out. So my, my feeling would be that Lamar Jackson, part of what he gives you on a week to week basis is a really high floor, which is super valuable for standard, like regular head to head leagues. Um, because you just want to lock in a quarterback that you feel really comfortable with, like someone you feel will not give you a zero. Uh, and then a guy who on top of that has the chance of of winning the the week for you, but that's not nearly as valuable in head to head best ball. So my feeling is that as long as you had, you know, like two or three other quarterbacks who all had the potential of, of going off in any given week, like they had a little bit of volatility with them. That's probably good enough. Yeah. I mean, it's like we talked about before, and I forget the two quarterbacks that we used. I think it might have been Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes, where if you looked at the split, it wasn't like if you were in a best ball league and they were your two quarterbacks, Mahomes was going to be the one that would be contributing to your quarterback points each week. You know, it normally like the max you would see as a player getting used 65 percent of the time compared to the other. Um, And that would be in the extreme. So, um, yeah, I don't think it would really change things for me. Yeah. I I agree. Okay. Um, kind of getting back to some of the implications of COVID. Uh, we've talked about how tight ends take a while to develop, right? Their matriculation into getting acclimated to NFL offenses is kind of a slower process than other positions. For the group of second-year players that we have, with some pretty strong names in there, like TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, Irv Smith Jr., how much does this concern you for their 2020 outlook? And I know that this is going to be kind of a question that you don't have too much information to really draw on to answer it. But do you think that this also might slow down the progression of their career? Um, if we do see less opportunities for teams to practice and we have maybe some type of truncated season. I don't think it'll impact the, the second year tight ends. Yep. It might impact some of the, the rookie tight ends. Um, but you know, like the, the second year guys, I don't think it's going to matter much. So I'm, I'm still very on board with Noah fans and, you know, interested in, um, in TJ Hawkinson. Uh, and I don't, I mean, Herndon technically isn't a second year tight end, but he's kind of, he's kind of a little bit in that group. Got it. Okay. Um, 
another question here for you. This one might be kind of random, but have you done any research on DSTs to target for 2020? And I'm I'm waiting for your response to be no, because you don't care. Uh, absolutely right. You didn't even need to ask that question. Uh, the answer okay. is no, because I do not care. Okay, so I had I was fully anticipating that that would be your answer. Um, what I'm going to say here is what I really do. And I mean, some of the function of being somewhat responsible for the rankings that go into the draft tools that we have here, um, I do have to focus some on defense. Um, but what I also think is a helpful thing to do for a lot of people is to just take a look at the first couple of games that you're going to have in a season for each team. I've used the strength of schedule streaming app to answer that for you. So in your drafts, the teams that you're probably going to want to be targeting would be, <laughs> but you know, it's kind of tricky, right? New Orleans, they open with Tampa Bay, which based upon how the team was last year would be a favorable matchup. Who knows what that actually looks like for, um, the Saints this year when they're facing that Tom Brady led offense. They also then have the Raiders, Packers, and the Lions. That's a pretty solid opening schedule. Carolina has a solid opening schedule, as does Chicago, Arizona, the Giants, and Tennessee. Um, go to the site. You can filter for specific weeks to get a um, better idea of how challenging each team's schedule might be to start the season. So again, I'm telling you that you're probably going to want to consider New Orleans, the Panthers, Chicago, Arizona, the Giants, and Tennessee as the team that you use to start off the season. There's also the Chargers um, in there. They face Cincinnati, Kansas City, not a great matchup, but then Carolina and then Tampa Bay again. So if Tampa Bay is good, um, that might not be the best opening. We haven't really given much attention at all to DSTs, so I just wanted to add that in for us here. Can we can um, we talk quickly about the Chargers? Because sure, although it looks like they have the the strongest strength of schedule at the beginning, I think yep. it's a little bit misleading because yep. Cincinnati could be good with Burrow. They also yep. have AJ Green returning. Obviously, in Week Two, going against Kansas City, that's a really tough matchup. Carolina. I think could maybe be sneaky good, like better than people would expect. Um, you know, just with the new offensive system coming in, new quarterback, they still have a lot of talent there. And then, of course, Tampa Bay in week four, that's a new, I mean, new quarterback. So a little bit of a new system there. I don't, I don't know. I mean, the Chargers, I think their defense is going to be really good this upcoming year, but I don't think you just lock them in as like, oh, this is clearly the best defense for the first four weeks of the season. Right, which is why I kind of left them out the first time. And again, as I've said before in the show, I think that when you're looking at DSDs, it's really hard to get a sense of what things are going to like look like year over year, which is why I think any tools that you're looking at that are heavily based off of historical data, you have to recognize that it's going to get more accurate as the season moves along because the correlations for DSTs year over year are not very strong. Things don't tend to carry. Uh, I want to talk to you about LaShawn McCoy, Matt, but before we do, we're going to take a quick second to hear from a couple of our sponsors. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at a price you never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up 
one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code RotoViz or DealDash.fm forward slash rotoviz that's d-e-a-l-d-a-s-h dot f-m forward slash rotoviz sports are back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events major league action has started up and there's no better place for wagering than our exclusive partners bet online check out all the odds futures and props to bet on all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion Robert Ori. See what they had to say on what will be an interesting season playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have signed LaShawn McCoy to a one-year, I believe, million-dollar deal. There's been a lot of talk about Keyshawn Vaughn and Ronald Jones. Now we add in LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy, of course, we have Dare there as well. What do we do with this backfield now, Matt? I'm continuing to be pretty optimistic about Ronald Jones. Uh, I've knocked him down a little bit, but I think LaShawn McCoy really hurts Vaughn and Ogunbowale much more than Jones. So mm-hmm. uh, I think those are the guys who take a hit. Yeah, I agree with that. And I actually have to say, and this this goes back to remembering that I was a huge proponent of Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, in comparison to what you might have expected heading into the draft. But I really do now expect that it's going to be Ronald Jones, and I feel pretty decent about his chances. So I don't see him taking a major hit uh, to his workload via the McCoy signing, where there was already signs that Vaughn's role was probably going to be much smaller than we had expected after the draft. So uh, I guess, though, the question for me here to you is, do you have any interest in LaShawn McCoy in terms of him being on your fantasy teams? No, uh, absolutely not. Um, If he ends up leading this backfield, uh, that's going to be a really bad sign for all of the guys. Yep, completely agree. All right, moving along here, Matt, um, I want to play a game which is going to be called This or That. So here's the premise. It's similar to ones we've done before. Let's say that you're playing in 10 leagues, and I'm going to give you a pairing of two players, and the one that you take has to be on all 10 of the teams that you have, and the other player cannot be on any teams that you have. Tell me the guy that you want on all 10 of your teams and the player that you do not want to be able to have on any teams. It's going to be hard. Okay. Dalvin Cook versus Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara. 
pretty easily. Um, Cook, I think, is a little more of a risk to miss time for various reasons. Uh, and, you know, Kamara, we've seen it year in and year out. Uh, he has a very high floor. Even last year when he didn't score a lot of touchdowns, he still had a pretty good number of yards. Uh, obviously has opportunities in the receiving game. So a lot to like about him. He just the higher floor makes me want uh, Kamara. Yep, you're not going to get a tremendous amount of pushback from me there. And I think that these are the type of questions where really you could go either way. It's just interesting to kind of get where you're leaning. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster versus DJ Moore. I would go with Juju. Um, I think that I, yeah, I certainly do have him projected higher. Uh, I think I would have him ranked higher as well. Um I expect a pretty good bounce back from Juju. Uh, I think he underperformed last year for a multitude, a multitude of reasons. Uh, the main one being Ben Roethlisberger was out, but then Juju also suffered some injuries. Uh, so I'm expecting him to bounce back. DJ Moore, I think, will do something pretty close to what he did last year. But you know, there is room for a little more downside with him because he's transitioning uh, to a new offense with a new quarterback, a new play caller, and a new head coach. Uh, and they also added Robbie Anderson. Not that I think Anderson is going to overtake him, but uh, Anderson could steal away some of the targets that went to more last year. Yeah, that's where I would land on this one as well. I'm imagining that people aren't super surprised by that. Uh, I think it's possible that DJ Moore might be the better receiver, but when I'm looking at the 2020 fantasy season, I think that I much rather have Juju. And as you alluded to, there were a number of factors last year that I think really clouded the perspective you would leave the season with on Juju. And I know that people will say, if you look at his total profile through his career at this point, it perhaps doesn't match up with the optimism that people like you and I have for Juju. But I really think it's an isolated set of circumstances. And again, he has just been so strong at such a young age, even if it was with Antonio Brown. I don't want to discredit it. So I feel like there's many more questions for more, which it seems like you're on that page there as well, which is why I'm leaning Juju. And also, we know that projections aren't everything, but I think when I sit there and really think about the way things could play out for Carolina, I just have a hard time giving more the median or high-end outcome that I have an easier time giving to Juju. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire versus Kenyon Drake. I think you've already answered this one for us. Yeah, Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, Kenyon Drake was awesome uh, in the second half of the season after being traded to the Cardinals, but still really prefer Edwards-Hilaire. Yep. Matt Ryan versus Drew Brees. Matt Ryan. And uh, honestly, it's not it's not really even that close. Uh, Ryan, is he just feels like a, a mortal lock for 4,500 yards passing at this point. Like, I feel like he's hit that number or pretty close to that number like every year for almost the past decade. Um, fantastic wide receivers. Uh, the important thing is that he will continue to throw quite a bit uh, in that offense, whereas uh, in New Orleans, they have run the ball uh, a little bit more over the past three years than they did uh, when Breeze was in his heyday, uh, throwing more than any other quarterback in the league. So I think uh, Ryan just will have more opportunities to accumulate more yards and that offense is still good enough for Ryan to uh, to have a shot at actually even like leading the league in touchdown passes. Okay, so can I take away from that statement that, that you're kind of expecting this to be a strong year for Ryan 
And that's kind of why you're framing it this way versus any negative on Breeze or am I misinterpreting that? It's not really anything negative on Breeze. It's just that like Breeze isn't the quarterback that he was four years ago because he's just not getting the opportunity to throw the ball as much. Got it. Okay. Um, And we had an interesting bet on that. Uh, Was that last year or the year before? I think it might have been the year before. I think it was two years ago. Two years ago. Didn't I... uh... Wait, it's interesting because I was on the side of that they weren't going to throw that much. You were on the side they were going to throw more. And then I kind of, I will admit, lucked my way into that. No, you were uh, right. Anyway, you, you were I right. I was right. Yeah. yeah okay. I mean, you're, you're right. They were really transitioning to more of a run-focused offense. All right. So it seems like you have finally caught up to that fact. Yeah, I wouldn't say finally caught up to it. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, Hunter Henry versus Rob Gronkowski. Uh, it. It feels a little bit weird to say Gronk, but I think that's where I'm going. And maybe I'm just too high on him in my projections. Um, But I mean, I could see pretty easily how he finishes as a top five tight end this year. And I think it's a little more of a a stretch for uh, Hunter Renfro. uh, Sorry, Hunter Renfro, Hunter Henry, uh, because (laughs) even though he's great, um, I mean, you could see a situation in which he's out targeted by Keenan Allen, out targeted by Austin Eckler out-targeted maybe even by Mike Williams so he at least has to compete with a good number of guys for targets uh and with Tyrod Taylor there or Justin Herbert as the starting quarterback I just don't know how prolific that offense is really going to be so uh I'm I'm going with uh I'm going with Gronk I think Gronk even if he's not a full-time player uh even if he's playing just like 65 percent of the snaps he will still be there on the money snaps. I think he has a good chance of actually leading that team in touchdowns. Yeah, I was hoping that um, I'd be able to push back on this one and that maybe you would go with Hunter Henry, but I can't because for me, a big piece of this here is I think that there's a number of reasons to believe that Hunter Henry might not be as strong of a tight end fantasy option as he has been in prior years. And if he isn't, then he's kind of in that range of tight end where he's not really differentiating himself that much than another player that I'd be able to get a little bit later in the draft. Uh, Whereas Gronk, not that I'm expecting him to be a top tier tight end, but it's easy to see how that could be a possibility. And his ADP hasn't really shot up to a point where I feel like I'm using a very high leverage pick on Gronk. Thus, I'm going to take my chances with Gronk across those 10 teams. Yeah, Uh, think of it this way. You had to spend like the number four tight end pick on OJ Howard last year and versus now you can have within that same offense, more or less Gronkowski, but like at the highest, you probably have to get him at tight end eight, but more realistically, maybe tight end 10. So I, I think there's a good deal of value there. And while it might feel like we have kind of a washed up version of Rob Gronkowski, a washed up version of Tom Brady, this is arguably one of the maybe top three quarterback receiver pairings that we've ever seen in the NFL. So, you know, who knows if things did break right, you might be looking at just, you know, a pot of gold for you. So that's that's um, really good. Who would you say? I mean, I think like Montana and Rice would be like the number one. I'm just derailing the show here the number yeah, one fine. quarterback uh receiver pairing can you think of another one that uh you would put above brady gronk hmm you know maybe drew Brees, michael thomas yeah i mean they've been Which, going like for i only, don't i feel i years. feel odd yeah i know that's why i feel odd saying it but it does feel like it's a possibility outside of them 
Um, we would you know, need, if you, we need to think about this a little bit. We'd more. have to think about it. Well, so what I'm doing is I'm going through like really some of the best quarterbacks that there have ever been. Dan Marino, I don't think he had ever, ever had a receiver that you can include into this conversation, right? Right. Um, you know, uh, Randy Moss, his best quarter. I mean, you're not going to have Dante Culpepper. You'd have Brady and Moss for that one season, right? Um, but I don't think you'd make the case that, you know, there's enough of a body of work to put them over. Yeah, it's, it's really about like the body of work uh, and yeah. having like the longevity of a, a quarterback receiver duo. Right. And so I don't think that Favre had a player like that that would match Gronk. Yeah. Um, yeah. People might want to throw at one point, people would want to throw Aaron Rodgers in. I'm, I'm kind of focusing here on recent ones because I feel like I don't have enough of appreciation. Maybe I mean, Rodgers and Jordy was was really yep. up there but uh i don't know if you could put jordy with with gronk yeah so i'll tell um our listeners this if you have one that you think is compelling i would love to hear it so please uh tweet those at us or email them to us um anything on that front matt for you before we close it down uh no let's just be sure to tell them where they can email us okay they can email us at rotovizradio at gmail.com And another thing that they should do is go and get that 10% off of a one-year Rotoviz subscription. Head to the podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Follow the link to subscribe to Rotoviz and enter the discount code 2020RVRADIO at checkout, and you will get that 10% off of a Rotoviz subscription. I can promise you, you will not regret it. And uh, we will be back later in the week um but that does it for this episode you can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com again please send us that quarterback wide receiver or tight end pairing follow us on twitter at dave cabin ff and at matt fd oracle thanks to bet online deal dash and the ffpc for sponsoring the show make sure to rate review and subscribe and as always remember it's not a fantasy if you believe it Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.